The winner plays game number three. Each game is 20 minutes long. If there are any penalties, the power play is a minute. Johnny Goudreau finessed his way in. Score! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. The second half of the game, he has been sensational. Beautiful play there by Pavelski. Burns and score! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Joining me now is every week, James Whitlock. How are you doing today, James? Doing great this week, Jesse. Thank you. I am also doing great, mainly because I didn't have any Kings losses to react to. Yeah. Um, now <laughs> we I, had a loss. Yeah, but I mean, it's the All-Star game. <laughs> Honestly, I won't remember by next week what the scores were or who won. Um, I realized this week, and this is something that occurs to me a couple times every year, I am a deeply unbalanced uh, human being when it comes to my emotional stability, uh-huh. and my happiness is tied in way too much to how the Kings are doing. Um, <laughs> I think it's a tremendous stroke of luck in my life that they went through a particular uh, string of good years as far as performances right. at a time where I deeply needed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shudder to think of what <laughs> of where I would be or what my life would look like <laughs> had they like professionally uh, or no no personally, personally like okay. yeah I mean you know had 2010 through 2016 uh, not been as great as it was <laughs> down in the dumps. oh I don't know man <laughs> I don't know so on a week like this where there wasn't anything negative to react to I mean there were no highs but there were also also no lows you know we always say happiness is measured by expectations yeah. My expectations were set to zero because there wasn't anything to expect. Right. So I was great. I had a lovely little week. <laughs> you know, I loved I loved hearing all the buzz and and it's times like this, like this, this all star break for me mm-hmm. is is almost like hockey Christmas mm-hmm. because it's then there's nothing on the line. Players just get to be themselves. Yep. They get to be around other people. I think I think professionally they develop more because you know now they have to play on a team with some of the people that they're fighting with. Um, throughout the season, and now you know they've got to come up with a, a strategy to try and win, and there's money on the line. So it's to them, it seems like you get more passion out of it um, than we did in years past. Uh, but ultimately, it's just it's just meant to be fun. Was it fun though? That's what I sort of want to focus on this episode. Okay. Um, so I'll I'll just ask you. Let's go through starting from the skills competition. Uh, what to you were the highlights? Like, what was the most fun part of the skills competition? Um, I like fastest skater. Okay. Um, it is it is solely it kind of takes the hockey out of it is, um, and it just goes down to pure skating. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's that's the basis of this sport. So to see how technical these guys get to be able to come out of corners and and how they do things differently to try and build speed. Um, And then, you know, actually McKinnon not being there was kind of a highlight. (laughs) Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because, uh, oh no, I'm blanking on her name. This is terrible. Um, Because Kendall uh, Coyne, is that her last name? Because she replaced him or because you just don't like Because she replaced him. No. Okay. Okay. McKinnon's a great player. Um, I don't like the fact that we they scored seven goals when they played the Kings last, but um, it's it's seeing things like that, and I think they were going to involve the two U.S. Uh, USA uh, and Canada female players anyway in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. The fact that they donated the NHL donated twenty five thousand dollars to each one of their charities uh, of their choice was was a cool moment, um, but 
to see uh to see Kendall get on the ice and and really burn like she wasn't she, I mean she wasn't uh at all out of place in nope. that in that uh tier of skaters no so she was not it was exciting I am going to push back on one part of that and I asked this question to a bunch of my friends mm-hmm. or I asked a question and and the the instant assumption of my friends was that I was one of those guys who was going to say rah, rah, girls shouldn't participate in the NHL and I was like <laughs> no I don't great good it's fantastic I was surprised that I didn't find out about it until 45 minutes before it happened right and I thought why wasn't this publicized why and I get it, yeah. McKinnon. So I read an article that said McKinnon came up with the idea. I think the day before or something. So maybe there wasn't time to mobilize some sort of PR campaign. But then I realized, as you said, that there were women participating in the events all day long. And I found out later that they were donating twenty five thousand dollars to four different women, the charity of four different women's choice. And. <clears throat> Uh, many years ago, six years ago, maybe something like that. I tweeted on New Year's Day mm-hmm. uh, when they were naming. I think it was the 2014. Did they have Olympics in 2014? Yeah, they must. Okay, so it must have been 2014. I think New Year's Day. Um, and they announced the men's Olympic team and the women's Olympic team. And I had two tweets that I got flack for uh, from from uh, women. Um, one was, uh, now that Trevor Lewis hasn't been named to the women's Olympic team, I don't think his chances are good for appearing in the Olympics because they named the women's team first and then the men's team second. And there was some rumors that Trevor Lewis might make the Olympic team. Now that tweet was seen as a joke about women's Olympic team being inferior to the men's. Perhaps I phrased it badly, but that wasn't my joke. My joke is, Hey everybody, Trevor Lewis isn't an Olympian. Right. And <laughs> the like i guess yeah. i guess the implication is that the women's team is lesser than the men's team but but i mean my apologies for that one anyway five years later but then the other tweet and and this one ties into what i'm talking about with kendall coin the other tweet was i said <clears throat> and i thought the language i thought the juxtaposition of crass language with serious language would imply my my tongue-in-cheekness but it, it didn't people thought i was being sincere and the and the sentence was something along the lines of this is one of those times of year where we put aside uh misogyny and uh and and I can't remember the other word I used and we pretend to care about broads who play hockey. And like I said, I thought the juxtaposition <laughs> of acknowledging that we usually give in to, you know, misogyny et cetera combined with me saying pretend to care about broads who play hockey would imply irony and sarcasm but it didn't and and you the, know in text you can no not. i know i know i was text young. <laughs> is the worst way i was young and new to twitter <laughs> um but my point is similar to my problem with the kendall thing and with the entire weekend on the whole why can't there be women participating in each of the skills challenges I would never expect a woman to be able to win the fastest skater award. Not that that's the point, but just in general, I wouldn't write like the fastest men are going to be faster than the fastest women. But a woman could absolutely win, could dominate at the the accuracy shooting, at the puck control relays, 
at the at the uh, you know could participate in the goalie save um, mm-hmm. relay, whatever the heck you want to call it. Like, not only could they participate, they could win, they could dominate, they could be publicized. And so my question is, again, and this was my point to the to the naming of the women's Olympic team during the Winter Classic, and then never referenced again on TV for the next four years. Do you care about publicizing women's hockey or don't you? Because if you do, you're doing a terrible job. And if you don't, then you're just paying weak lip service to the people that do. And so I don't like this is not outrage that they're doing it right. Like I'm not saying, oh, they shouldn't have women shouldn't participate. I'm saying if you're going to do it for God's sakes, do it. Right. right. The NBA yeah. pays for the WNBA, or I don't know if that's true anymore, but for the first 10 or so years of its existence, the WNBA existed as a subsidiary of the NBA. They paid for everything. They owned mm-hmm. the teams. They paid the, you know what I mean? They they were participating in social engineering and bravo. I have right. two little sisters. Turns out neither of them particularly enjoy sports, but I mean, I bought my little sister a basketball hoop in 2000 and. She was born in 97, so I guess 2000 or 2001. She was three or four years old. And I bought her a basketball hoop because right. I was like, the WNBA is a thing. And she's, yeah. you know, I don't want her to play tennis. I want her to play a team sport. Like, I liked team sports. So I yeah. so I was all in on it. So, like, I, <clears throat> again, I'm sort of apologizing for my <laughs> misstatements no, I- five years ago. but I But I just didn't understand, especially with the way they have changed the puck handling and the accuracy shooting events. Why on earth a woman couldn't have participated in those as well? I think, first off, and and granted, I I'm all about athletes, but it's really the NHL All Stars, right? Uh, and technically, if you're not in the NHL, then it's so not necessarily. I mean, but I mean, what's what's to say that someone it doesn't make the NHL and and you know if your skills are good enough to try and do that, then you know then that's that's kind of what you what you're kind of going back to but if you want to do it it's like i and i don't know what the right way is i don't know what what the way is it's not gonna create waves like it's any like you said any inferior activity but they they did a they did a, a race between uh mascots yeah uh, sharky no and, uh, they i mean they Scary do Yeti. all sorts of goofy stuff and you know as i said last time i would want AHL players. I would want easy AHL players. I want KHL players. If we're going to do fastest skater, I want to know who the fastest skater is. If but we're going to do most accurate. It's NHL. Uh, but, but if you want to have a special event that pulls every league in and everybody gets to send two people, I'm in. I guess then that's what I'm for, ultimately. And 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 mainly because, you know, you said you like the fastest skater. For me, it's boring. And, and yeah, but I mean that, but it's I so fast though. It's like, boom, boom, I know, boom, but boom. I don't care. Like, I, I mean, this is, I feel this way about, I think I can't remember if I said this on Wednesday or last Sunday, but unless there's defense in an event, generally speaking, I'm not super interested. Um, I just, I like blocks more than dunks. I like saves more than goals. I like, you know, block shots more than dangles. I just do. See, I'm getting more into the different aspects of it because I have kids that are little and mm-hmm. they're learning a lot of uh, the basics and and going through, you know, junior hockey. So I'm, I'm watching skating fundamentals and I'm watching a lot of these things in support of them. Right. So I'm starting to see, I'm starting to appreciate a little more, 
you know, all the work that goes into something like that. And, and how does a guy continue to be the fastest skater as just like uh, Days and Confused, you know, he gets older, but they keep staying the same age. <laughs> I right? was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah, I mean, part of it is, I think, part of it is that my favorite player growing up was Robitaille. Uh-huh. And so there's a guy who was not the fastest skater. No. Right? He didn't have flashy hands. Um, you know, he wasn't going to deke out an entire team on an end-to-end rush and score some sort of amazing individual goal. But he would 100% go to the front of the net, collect rebounds. He had a great shot. You know what I mean? Like, he, you know, there's the – everybody talks about Ovechkin's goal where he's sliding on his back and he reaches his arms around his head. And he, everybody talks about that as being the greatest goal anybody's ever seen. Robitaille has, like, three of those in his career. Yeah. And nobody ever talks about them. Um, you know, or there was one, you know, this is not Robitaille, it's Gretzky, but Gretzky took a shot. It bounced off of some dude's back, popped up in the air about 20 feet, and then Gretzky baseball batted it out of midair off of a, you know, bouncing off of somebody's back. Like, to me, those are the – but anyway, that's not the point. Brown did that this season. Yeah, so the point, <laughs> the point is for me when it comes to fastest skater and everything, I just – the guys that are fast are fast and the people that aren't aren't. And so it just doesn't – you know what I mean? Like, so I thought it was great that she participated in the fastest skater award. But like I said, I would have way rather seen what the most accurate shooter uh, from right. the women's Olympic right. team versus, because like I said, there was never any way that she was going to beat Connor McDavid. Like nobody's going to beat Connor McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that dude, although somebody in the AHL did. Um, I don't know if you saw that uh, today. They had uh-huh. the AHL skills competition and the winner was faster than Connor McDavid. Um by like half a second or something. Wow. So I mean, but anyway, <clears throat> it goes to that point though. It, it doesn't mean just because you're in the in, in the NHL right. that you're going to be the best at that in the world. Right. So moving on, we had the uh, before we do. Yeah. Best goal of, of the uh, of the games. Mm-hmm. I saw Stephen Samkos uh, with this between the leg. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, well, we're not moving on from the whole event. I just okay. want to move on from the fastest skater. Got it. So then uh, after fastest skater was, what, the puck control? Right. Where they zip-zap through the pucks, then they do the... The towers? No, they go around the Gatorade bottles, and then they do the towers. I like the towers. The towers was interesting, but on the whole, this is my problem with the with the middle three events. They're timed, and so... You have this moment where you realize, oh, this guy can't make it anymore, right? Like whether he flubs the first tower or the second tower or whatever. Uh-huh. And now we're just sitting there, <laughs> right? Or whether it's the passing into the little buckets, the little nets, whatever. Now you're just sitting there going like, okay, I got to wait three minutes for this one version of this event to be done. And then I got to watch another guy do it. And it's going to be three minutes. And there's no, like, I, I, I don't particularly love the fastest skater, but I at least understand it. Right. I can at least go, man, that guy's fast. And I do, right. As I'm watching it, under 15 seconds every time. As I'm watching it, even though I don't care, yeah. I am at least impressed. Yeah. I'm going, like, wow, those guys are fast. Or wow, that girl is fast. When it's the puck control thing, it's just like, Okay, none of them really messes up on the in between the pucks, right? right? Somebody might it might miss their stick, but it's not the same as when that guy from Dallas blew out an edge turning the corner. Yeah. Um then none of them messes up going around the Gatorade bottles, which I still think is weird that they're tiny Gatorade bottles. Like make a giant <laughs> cone and put a Gatorade logo on it, but whatever. 
And then the tower is like, it's interesting, but if they mess up, then it's like, well, they got to go retrieve the puck, and then they're going to do it. So it's like a second serve in tennis. They're going to do it slower because they just faulted, so they don't want to mess it up again. So they're going to go through it. And, mur, mur, mur. Um, and then the passing one, the same thing, right? Like, it's to me, I said this on Twitter, but it looked like uh, turnover passes rather than breakout passes because of the way the cardboard cutouts yeah. were slanted. And then the, bu- the little buckets, you know, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and the guy's missing and missing. And, but they're missing by, like, an inch. Right. So you're just like, hey, can we please just credit the guy with the yeah, – yeah. <laughs> move on. And then the goalie thing, I didn't understand why some of them went long. I guess the first one is just 10, then the second round is 20, and the third round so I don't I didn't. It's just too – I don't know. If you want to watch Puck Control, just watch how Goudreau did it. I mean, not only did he win it, but he was smart about it. He came up to the towers – he he took it slow. He first of all he coasted into it. Yeah. He waits for the light, and then he sets and moves his puck. Like and then it, it took him it took him longer for the setup, but he didn't miss anything. I mean, right. I mean that's the whole point. Do it right the first time, and then you move on. You don't have to. And then because the announcers have this pace, right? They assume this right. is going to take blah 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 seconds, and then they have this content for this player, and then they mess up. And then they mess up again, and now they're just trying to stretch. Right. And it just becomes very awkward, I think, from the announcing standpoint, too. Is, But I think that's a, one of the fundamental flaws in those two events, the passing combine and the puck control relay, whatever you want to call it, is that they, t- they decided to make them timed events, which means that as soon as the winning time is established, and in, in Goudreau's case, I think he went first, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody who goes after him is now has a clock running in their head, which yeah. causes them to screw up. And then each one gets like progressively longer and longer. Like find a way to make it not time. So take the take the clock away. Make it each station points. Find a way to make it accuracy driven. Make it points and then or something. Then I don't know. Good. Or in my mind, scrap it all together because I just don't care. But that's <laughs> but that's me. Uh, the goalie one, they need to come up with something. I like what they do in the AHL, which is the rapid fire yep. contest where they just have two guys just yeah. firing. Because yeah. <laughs> um, the breakaway, and it's, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then I love accuracy. I love the accuracy shooting. Um, the hardest shot, again, I've said it before, I don't particularly care. Steven Stamkos didn't even break 100, I don't think, or maybe he did on his second attempt. Mm-hmm. Um so you're not really getting the hardest shot. You're getting it's sort of like the dunk contest, right? You're not getting the guy who can do the most impressive dunk. You're getting yeah. the guy at the point in his career who's willing to participate in the yeah. hardest you shot saw, competition. You saw Dowdy's quote about uh how just thinking about the all star makes him sweat. No. Yeah, yeah. He they talked to him about it. It might have been Carlin, but uh I mean I know I saw him where he said he's no good at most of the things, although I thought he was great at the accuracy yeah, he shooting. Did. I mean, third, right? Yeah. Well, and he, and I mean, and this is why I think it's sort of dumb that they time these. Like, he basically went four for six, I think. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's, you know, I don't think anybody did better than four for five. Right. It's just, you know, he missed one by an inch or whatever. So, excuse me. So, I, I mean, overall, I thought the skills competition was fine. Um, it's always fine, right? I mean, I I make these big statements about how I don't care and I don't like them and I would change it, and I would if it were up to me, but I don't think the changing it would actually make any significant difference. I don't think tons – like, we all watch. You know, I'm sitting there on Twitter, and people either like it or they don't, and there's plenty of people who agree with me, and there's plenty of people who disagree with me, but we're all watching. Right, right. So whatever. It is what it is. I'm not 
vain enough to think that somehow you know my opinion on this is, is <laughs> so clearly the correct yeah um so let's go to the games the pacific lost for the first time in the preliminary round in first out of four times and they lost badly <laughs> fantastic fashion yeah like, they went for it <laughs> it was close for a little while on a scale of one to ten like honestly how much do you care I don't. I I cared when it was in L.A. and you know we've got Dowdy and Carter and people are scoring goals and yep. we're high fiving as Kings fans and we're here and you know we're able to do our goal chant. That I cared about. This one I didn't care about so much. Same. And what I'm trying to remember, and I can't. What I'm trying to remember is, did I actually care more ten years ago, fifteen years ago? 20 years ago and i honestly don't know my recollection is that i did but i probably didn't um it's not as if the games were really hard fought tightly contested battles 20 mm. years ago they were just east versus west and it was three periods and if it got out of control you know if the, if one team got a big lead that it's not like the other team was fighting real hard to come back and only yeah. then you're actually watching a full game not three mini games so i mean i don't I don't think I cared. I like this format better than anything I've seen, though. Like, I feel I this is I more exciting. Yeah. It, there's more mo- there's more uh, speed in it. People seem to care more. Uh, because, the players. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. And, it, and it, uh, it, it just it gets more exciting at this point. Three on three. Um, there's no there's – no, there's not a lot of show off. We're going to hold the puck, you know, because it's a, it's a puck possession game with three on three. So if you dangle too long or you start getting fancy, you're going to lose the puck. And guess what? You're spending the next two, three minutes in your own zone. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I was sort of bemoaning when I was watching, and it was only because the score got so out of control. The only thing I was thinking was there is something sort of special for me still anyway about three guys with amazing chemistry. And you at least occasionally would get that in the old formats. You'd get at least one line where you're like, wow, if we could actually watch a line of Crosby, Bergeron, and you know Ovechkin or something like that, well, you, you get for 20 minutes. You go, man, that was fun, like seeing those three guys together. This one, it's just sort of who's got the balls to pull off the in-between-the-leg you know, it's move. A shot. No, it's great, but it's but you know, it's 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 so condensed and for the moment on TV, and there's no attempt at anything even resembling higher degrees of of the type of hockey that we're used to seeing. You know what I and and on if we're going to Tavares Stamkos play, uh-huh. um, I've got to say, like watching Tavares draw all three players onto him. To be able to dump the puck out, to get it to Stamkos, and then him be able to hold on and then see it and still put it through the leg, and that was great. Yeah, that was and good hockey. And, no, and there was a moment when McDavid uh, drove the net and dumped it to Goudreau, and he stick handled through the three defenders, and you're like, wow, okay, that was nice. But again, it's it's a fla- it's a flash of ISO hockey. Is it meant to be more? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it is or isn't. I just know. And again, maybe this is nostalgia. Maybe it didn't happen the way I used to imagine it happening. But there were those moments where you'd go like, oh, Gretzky, Hull, and Robitaille on a line. Like, wow, that's 
crazy or you know Lemieux Yager and whoever else would play the right wing for you know you'd go like oh my god like whoa imagine what could be or look at like that's actual hockey that you're used to seeing whereas this is just flash and sand just non-stop that's high octane insanity which I, like I said is a, an infinitely better TV product I get it but my question is do you remember any of the specifics Two years later, three years later, four years later, five years later, the I and the answer is I don't know. And 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 the other question that I don't know the answer is to what do we really remember from the from the quote unquote old All Star games, right? And I mean, I think realistically, the only thing I can truly remember from watching All Star games from the mid '80s to the early 2000s when they really abandoned the the format really the only memory that stands out is owen nolan owen nolan calling his shot against hashik he's on a breakaway and he points at the net and then scores and that had nothing to do with being on a line or five on five that could have just as easily happened in a three on three right and it wasn't because of how what the score of the game was that i don't remember what the score of the game. it was just such a unusual moment that it stood out everything else is just a blur so i mean i'm i'm defending this sort of image of this perfect all-star game from the 90s which was you know 70 40 years after you know what i mean like i I desperately want to talk to my dad and see like what he thought of the all-star games when he was my age now compared to what he thinks of them now compared to what he thought of them when they were you know first introduced but we'll see i don't yeah it's uh i i think at this point i think you get more you get more opportunity to to connect with some of those plays because there's more of them, mm-hmm. um, and it. Uh, I I still get that that feeling of seeing you know your favorite player playing with some of the other greats because now that the teams are essentially, I mean they're roughly the same size if you're, yeah if you're looking yeah, yeah. at, it. but um, it, it, I think it it just seems to be a little more evenly spread out, and you get to see some of the stars from all the teams play together and that's for the game portion of it that's the way i think it should be it should be just this camaraderie everybody's in the same i do like the fact that they have teams on their jerseys see i didn't like that you didn't like that no oh i like that instead of the nhl emblem that's interesting part of the reason i didn't like it is well first of all it was all black and white Mm-hmm. So you couldn't even – I didn't even notice that they had their own – I mean, I knew, right, because I'd seen the jerseys. But it wasn't until the end of the game when Doc Emmerich was like, and for the first time, they're wearing their own – it's not what Doc Emmerich sounds like, but in my <laughs> you know, the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. 1920s Doc Emmerich. For the first time, the NHL All-Stars <laughs> are wearing their own logos instead of the logo of the National Hockey League. But, I mean, I like All-Star jerseys. I, if we could just get that <laughs> announced for the whole whole All Star, you want me might, to do the entire podcast? Like, all right, that uh, might win. Uh, no, but I like All Star jerseys, and I like that every year there's a new iteration of it. And some of them are ugly, and some of them are great, and they reflect the era that they're created in. And you know, the the hyper neon ones that everybody complained about, I actually kind of liked. I liked white gloves right. with the white jerseys, and it's. It's great. It's part of the pageantry. I mean, part of the reason I like hockey, and I think one of the things um, that hockey does well is the same thing baseball does, which is 
acknowledges its past, makes its past part of its appeal. And so an all-star event, in my mind, is just really exists for that. It's like, here, come together. We have this convention. We have all the trophies. We have right. Hall of Fame exhibits. You know, we have great players. Like, it's cool. And so to do just a sort of like, hey, every game, all of these three games is just black on white. You can't tell which team is which. You can't tell who's wearing what. Like, it's just black and white. Okay, so the the two yeah. jerseys. Like, just two colors. So, two colors. Teams. Like, when it was in L.A., there was four colors. Yeah. Teams. Did you like that better? Yeah, there's four teams playing. Okay, so then what about putting the team logo on that color instead of the NHL? No. I I mean, I don't care, really, at the end of the day. But, like I said, I like NHL jerseys. and Or all-star jerseys, mm-hmm. right? So, whether it's the crest or some sort of star or whatever... I like it. And I would go so far as to say moving forward, you know, the Pacific team this year should have absolutely been wearing a bunch of teal. It's in San Jose. You got three guys on the team. Load that thing up with teal. When it was in L.A., it should have been, you know, black and silver or purple and gold or however you wanted to do it. Right. And in Nashville, it should have been gold and black or whatever their combo is you know like i have no problem with saying to the team that won the bid to host the all-star game this is your show this is your chance to showcase your arena your fans your players that's another thing and god knows people disagree with me on this one i i don't understand why nbcsn has a team that they carry with them uh, for all the big events. I don't care what Keith Jones thinks about anything. I don't care what Mike Milbury thinks about anything. I don't care what Jeremy Roenick thinks about anything. And I super don't care what Doc Emmerich thinks about anything. I, listen, I like listening to JR. They're all fine, but I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right? What I would love to see instead is uh, four different reporters – playing the role of JR and Pierre Maguire, one from each conference, or sorry, division, right? So rather than JR talking to Dowdy, asking him whatever, get Carlin out there. Uh-huh. Right? Get or whoever the Sharks uh Carlin is, whatever. Right. <laughs> right? Like people who follow the teams, people who work closely with the players, people who might actually have some kind of insight or or relationship with them and it's another chance for me the fan to be exposed to the experience of rooting for other teams i know what doc emmerich sounds like calling a big game every moment is a thousand times more exciting than it actually is to right, him. Right. right and you know keith jones and mike milbury are a bunch of chuckleheads that that literally they had an ad for how to train your dragon where the punchline of the of the ad was everybody gets that mike milbury's awful uh-huh. I was like, "That's your, <laughs> <laughs> that's your selling point." Is that even you know he's awful? <laughs> like, uh, so, so why not have? It's an opportunity to showcase the talent from around the league. Why not showcase the talent from around the league? Why yeah. not have the San Jose yeah. Sharks guys calling the game? Why not have the San Jose Sharks uh, uh, reporters being the one interviewing the players? 
surely the Sharks have a radio team. Surely they have a, a TV team. And surely they have reporters and, you know, and bloggers and people covering that. Are we showcasing the talent around the league or are we just giving NBC another opportunity to shove the national broadcast team down our throats? And and I get it. People like it. It's continuity. But I just don't. I mean, to be fair, care. we did find out that Burns got bit by a cheetah once. That's, I mean, that's local. You don't think the guy that works with Burns all the time could, like, would have known that story? Like, we would have heard so many more interesting <laughs> stories. That's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the mm-hmm. uh, NHL puck and player tracking technology. What are your yeah. thoughts? Did you see when, when all the players are out there doing the, the practice skate, what that looked like? It's not for me. <laughs> I mean, that's really – we're going to get into it in, in greater depth on Wednesday when we talk to Francisco Rivera and uh, Robert Brender from from SiriusXM. But it's not for me, James. They um, they do say that we can do a certain measure of it on a large linear screen, and we also want to make sure that we don't obliterate the experience for Avids fans. So, Too late. I, I mean, they're trying to make it so – and I'd like to see how it rolls out first, but it's uh, – I don't know. Seems interesting. I got to see it first and watch it. I mean, it was on. They they used it on the telecast. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a game. I want to see game format, how they're going to use it. Are they going to use it sporadically? Are they going to use it always? Either way, I don't. I don't. You just want to see the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just want to see the game. Um there's, I think I've referenced this before, but there's a there's a talk I was listening to, and a guy was talking about tools, and he said that there are some tools that inarguably improve the human existence, and there are some tools that unquestionably uh, weaken the human existence, and the problem is you don't realize it until the tool gets taken away. Mm-hmm. But the point is, I have learned how to watch a game and be aware who's on the ice and where the puck is without benefit of a trail or names floating above the players or any of that stuff. I don't think new fans need it. I don't think it's actually beneficial. And so when you add it, for me, it just distracts me, right? My eye can't be – I cannot help – but be drawn to the giant floating box moving around the top of my screen. And the trail, I'm no longer watching where the puck is. I'm watching where it just was. And I cannot tell you of a worse way to watch hockey than watching where the puck just was. Right. Right? I don't watch, and I've said this a million times, I don't watch where the puck is. I watch the players and their movement and their reactions and their focus of their, their focal attention tells me where the puck is. And invariably you will catch glimpses of the puck if you're watching the players. And so I see all these things saying, you know, this will help new fans and this will help blah, 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 blah. I don't believe it. Yeah. I truly don't believe it. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't think that's how you make new fans. I don't think there's a ton of people who are sitting there going, gosh, I see all this excitement around hockey. I see all these people talking about it. My friends love it. There's a team in my town. It's on TV. I just 
I can't watch it because I don't know who's on the ice and I don't know where the puck is. It's just too hard. Like I said, it's not for me. It's yeah. just not for me. Most of our games aren't on NBC anyways. Well, <laughs> doesn't doesn't hurt us there. But I mean, it'll. But my fear is that I'll be I'll I'll be watching the Stanley Cup final, and it'll just be like watching a video game because yeah. the names will oh, always be up yeah. there, and there'll always be a trail. And I gotta be honest, I don't know if this is true or not yet. But if they do it constantly it might be enough for me to not watch wow it's i don't like it it's distracting hot take i it's now part of that is because my team has won the cup twice and right i've watched enough hockey at this point in my life that like if i miss a stanley cup final yeah i'm not gonna cry over it but i just really don't like it now you talk about tools and i want to get your thought on a tool called gritty um i feel like, <laughs> I feel like the nhl is still forcing him down our throats where he's involved in everything and it's it's to me starting to feel a little desperate a little um old here's another hot take we're doing it to ourselves because it gets so much media the gritty the gritty phenomena is not i refuse to believe that the guy who invented gritty and the guy inside the suit and the league and the Flyers thought to themselves, we are going to introduce this featureless, terrifying orange blob with googly eyes, and it is going to become a cultural phenomenon within the calendar year. Not at all. Like, no. there's no that way. Was not a plan. There's no way that was a plan. There's something about our society right now where novelty rules the day, whether it's you know, uh, New York subway rat eating a slice of pizza or it's, you know, uh, what are those or any sort of nonsensical, meaningless, momentary piece of nothing. We're just in a free for all (laughs) black Friday type, you know, fist fight to mine every bit of, novelty entertainment out of it we possibly can and gritty is just like the the perfect storm of featureless nothing you can you can map whatever you want onto gritty because gritty isn't a thing it's (laughs) why am i always angry when i I love it (laughs) he's just a featureless orange blob there's nothing about him i will say gritty had in his camp he had when they started he had this the social media mentality of how to market. Like, if they put a marketing team on it, like, how are we going to get momentum with this thing? They had this this time to be able to do it. And you couldn't have done it five, ten no, years ago. No, But now with social media and, and the ease of, of how things get around and become an instant viral sensation – Marketing teams know how to plug into that. Watch the watch the that. Fire Festival documentaries on Hulu, oh, them, and yeah. Hulu on Netflix right yep. now, and that'll tell you all you really need to know about how smart you have to be to run a successful yep. social media campaign. There's an element of like, come up with a solid idea and push it off the right cliff and let the world feed into the momentum. Yeah. Um, but again, for me, mascots are they're not for me. <laughs> Um, you know, the very first time I saw Bailey dump a bag of popcorn on the fan of on the head of a fan wearing another team's jersey, 
I said to myself, I wonder where they found the guy willing to wear the other team's jersey and get a bag of popcorn dumped on his head. Yeah. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, that's a plant. That's a bit. Yeah. That's not funny. To me, that's right. not funny. It's 10 years later. <laughs> Popcornopolis is on board. <laughs> six times in a game, sometimes, he'll put a cake or a pie in the face of some fan wearing the other team's jersey. Like, that one... The, the sports the, apocalypse or yeah. whatever, or sports apalooza, whatever it was when there was like a Kings game, a Lakers game, a Dodgers game, yeah. a, you know, Rams game, da da da. And there were six people in the arena, like, I'm sorry, Bailey. I'm sorry, Kings. I'm sorry, everybody, for pulling the curtain back. But like, I watched Bailey that day setting it all up and going through the, like, oh, do we have this shirt yet? Do we have that shirt yet? Where are these people getting? Like, it was, it's all <laughs> planned, it's all scripted. It's like I'm. If you watch all those funny kiss cam videos where the guy loses the ring and everything else, right, you think right, those right. are actually happening, right? Or he goes to kiss the woman and then at the last minute he pulls away and drinks the beer instead, yeah, yeah. like all that stuff, like right. Yeah, the guy's on the phone and yeah, she ducks off yeah. with the other guy. Yeah, and if you see a guy in the stands and he's got 18 t-shirts on and he's ripping one off after the other and throwing them around, like, come on, guys, like, <laughs> but, but. It's, like I, I said, it's 10 years later for the Kings. It's way longer for other teams with mascots. People love it. it yeah, it, if it gets the crowd going, they're going to continue yeah. to do it. And and that's the name of that game. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So the gritty thing, I agree with you, but it's not going anywhere. Nope. <laughs> like, now he's been co-opted for political movements. What? Yeah, have you not seen that? No. Yeah, like... What the hell? He's become a the same way that that frog thing became associated with the conservative movements. Uh -huh. Progressive movements have begun drawing cartoons of gritty, like you know, punching Nazis and you know, like <laughs> fighting fascism. And it's like, okay, that's again, it's like he's a featureless, nondescript ball of orange fluff, so you can make him whatever you want. I mean, if I wanted to, I could say. You know, Gritty is the world's greatest Indiana Jones fan, and everything about him embodies, uh, you know, the spirit of the Indiana Jones franchise. My article on BuzzFeed, 10 Reasons Why Gritty Loves Indiana Jones, and number six will blow your mind. And there's nobody to contest me. Right. Because he's... <laughs> right. He doesn't talk. Yeah. He's not a person. He's literally just a giant orange puppet. Anyway, I get so mad when I come over here, James. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't think that's planned? <laughs> It's uh, it's it's just good talk and yeah. Um, finally, your thoughts on on the trade, Dominic Kubalik, yeah, for a fifth round draft pick. I like it. Um, I think he's twenty three years old. My general thought these days is, once a player reaches a certain age, you have to stop thinking about them as a prospect. And I think 23 is probably about that age. You know, I saw somebody saying, okay, this is great. He was never going to come over. Now let's focus all of our attention on Nikolai Prokhorin. And uh, it was another Russian prospect that the Kings have. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him. I wanted... And I looked it up, and he's 25. And I thought, uh, probably time to trade him for a fifth-round pick, too. <laughs> like... If you can turn a 23-year-old guy who's never played a game in North America, who you drafted in the seventh round, who may or may not ever agree to come play for you, if you can turn him into a fifth-round pick, 
good on you. Probably won't amount to much, but it's another roll of the dice. So yeah. I, I like it. Well, word on the street is that he didn't have much interest in signing with or continuing with Kings anyway. So, I mean, I hate to kick us when we're down, but would you? No, not at all. <laughs> like, not at all. I mean, going to Chicago isn't a much much of an improvement. No, but. <laughs> no. But he, well, he but he didn't have a choice in that. I mean, I mean, he played three years in the OHL. He didn't have a ton of points, so you know. I, I don't think there's I don't think there's much lost here and, and you pick up a fifth round draft pick. My uh, let me ask you this. We did the over under uh on Wednesday. Now it's four days later, so you'll have an advantage here. But how many trades do you expect there to be by Saturday? For the Kings. Yeah. I don't know. I, I said zero. I don't see much happening. Everybody right reacted now. in shock, and I was like, nah. "I don't see much happening." I mean, it's kind of a kind of a tight window, and mm-hmm. and honestly, if you're if you're working on deals now, I don't think you're getting as much for them. Um, but you know, this one was good, and this one was kind of out of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But um, he's having a good year, so he's going to stay in Switzerland, and and we'll see what they do with him and. Who knows if it's going to be, you know, we'll just wait and see if it's going to be a great trade. We won't know for years. But, no. Um, I don't I don't see much happening now. And I I mean, we've got till the 25th for February to uh, yep. to see the trade deadline. So, you know, I see I see some things happening more, maybe more of a buyer's market um, with the uh, with the wild cards being so tight that people might be making some moves. But um Definitely the Kings are going to be, I mean, this time or start of next year is going to be a different team. So, yeah, I think that's the general consensus. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see much happening this week. That's what I said. I just don't. And even up till the trade deadline, I just have this weird feeling like they're not going to do anything. If it, if it has a chance to change chemistry, like locker room chemistry Mm -hmm. and improve the morale, I think it's a good move to make now. Um, which which you could. I mean, you're not at that point. You're not trying to to be phenomenal in the postseason, mm-hmm. but you at least want to get your team on the tracks. And right now, they're just they're on and off, and and this team needs something to to make it more consistent and and start to develop a a cohesiveness. And so, improve the locker room if you can. If there's any issues there, make make that move. Yeah, I mean, I've heard. We've all heard all the arguments for and against. You know, they're only four games out, but the conference is weak in general. I mean, there's it's all well documented. Um, oh, hi, Dewey. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> Come on, buddy. We got a we got a, a good boy <laughs> joining the pot. Um, but I just know from personal experience, not that my personal experience has anything to do with the pressures of, of running a, a professional sports franchise, but I just know from my own personal experience, there have been times in my life where I knew I had to make a change or where I knew I had to do something I didn't want to do, You know, whether it's selling something that you don't want to or buying something that's super expensive, you know, or like, you know, health insurance, for example, right? Like... It's expensive. You got to do it, and you have that moment where you're just like, 
ah, do I really commit to this, you know, monthly expense that's more than I really want to pay, but at the same time I know I have to do it, or it's do I want to move? You know, do I want to break up with this person? Do I want to ask this person out? Do I want to find a new job? Do I want to quit this job? Whatever it is, you reach these crossroads in your life that are t- they're tough because yeah. Yeah. because even if you know it's the right thing to do, or even or if you're unsure but you think it's the right thing to do, it means disrupting everything about your routine, and it's hard. And sometimes that delay, sometimes that refusal to make a choice in the proper moment can cost you a lot. And sometimes making the difficult choice earlier than you normally would sometimes can bring you great rewards. But I mean, there's a reason that there's a ton of, of axioms about, you know, he, uh, he who hesitates makes waste, or I think I have that right. Or a stitch in time saves nine or whatever. Like, so if I'm Ron Blake or if I'm Luke Robitaille or if I'm any of the other higher executives or the, or the owner or whatever, it's tough, right, to make that decision of like, this is a core, this is a group, this is an identity, this is a whatever that we've been committed to, that we've been on this path for 10 years, and where there's no guarantee that changing is going to bring any success. Because there's other teams out there that are good, there's other teams out there that are faster, younger, stronger, blah, 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 blah. It's hard to pull that trigger. So, you know, it, it, it is, I think it is in a sense of instant gratification, right? You yeah. have to understand that change does take time. That development of players does take time and, but you still have to sell tickets. So yeah, it's not like you can just ask people to just, Hey, let's go along for this four year ride, five year ride and uh, continue to buy your season seats. You know, we know we're going to suck, but we'll look forward to seeing it every game. Um, that's not a conversation a fan wants to hear. Someone that's shelling out thousands of dollars wants to hear. But at the same time, it's a it's a conversation I think everyone should expect because putting those those type of pressures on an organization to get it right the first time every time mm-hmm. is is just not. I don't think it's fair of of a fan to do. Even though you know everybody wants if if you want that success. We all have to pitch it, right? And and the fans play a huge part. The fans pay a ton of money to come to games and to buy merchandise and to help fund. I mean, no no sports team is going to survive with no income. Right. Well, that's – I mean, now you're getting into one of the core, the fundamental misunderstandings of how fans spend entertainment dollars. Mm-hmm. When I go to the store – and I buy a product. Generally speaking, I know what I'm buying. You know, when I moved into my new place, I went out and I bought myself a set of tools because I knew I was going to need tools and I didn't have them. So I went and I bought them and I know exactly what I got. You know, there were five different sizes of tool set with varying, you know, amounts of stuff in it and I bought the one I wanted and I've had zero complaints about that spe- you know expense. Right. It's a one-time <laughs> expense for a lifetime of of use. If you buy tickets to a sporting event or or any live entertainment, whether it's a musical or a play or a sporting event or whatever, you don't know it's not a purchase, it's a gamble. You're spending money to be entertained. 
Well, but you have no. But you don't know. You know what you're getting. But it's not necessarily. What about all those people who ever bought tickets to a Guns N' Roses concert and they didn't show up for Fire Festival again? Yeah. (laughs) Well, but I'm saying like, I've been to concerts that were great and I've been to concerts that were terrible. But I don't get my money back if the concert's terrible. I can't think of a concert I've ever went to that's been terrible because you know the artist. You know you you kind. Well, you like artists that are consistent. But like I said, if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, okay. And they're two hours late, or they don't show up at all, or the concert gets canceled, or there's a riot, and the seats are torn out and, you know, tossed from the second balcony, and Metallica says they're never going to work with you again, like, money down the drain. That kind of sucks. I'll get that. Um, But with sports, I agree. Yeah, I mean. It is a gamble. even Even at the peak power of a team, you know, even at the peak of a team's power. You could still buy tickets and go to the one game out of the year that they get their doors blown off and don't show up and are terrible, and and that's going to happen regardless. And but I think you're you're more willing to accept that if you're still like with a winning team, a you know a top tier team. But when you're with a the thirty first place team and you get your doors blown out on the one game you go, I think you're a lot more upset. But you kind of should expect that. Um. Yes, but I mean, then it starts getting into what everybody wants out of them. You know, if you're a huge hockey fan or if your kids are huge hockey fans and you take your boys to a game and you don't really care what the outcome is because you're going because you want your kids to see. Right. Even if it's a great game, let's say your oldest favorite player is Adrian Kempe. And in the first period, Adrian Kempe gets a game misconduct and is out of the game. You know, and it's thrown out of the game. Yeah. Like, He's bummed. That's... I won't forget it. I mean, he won't forget it though. Yeah, but I mean, but you've lost that gamble, right? Like yeah. you, you know, or you know, for example, my dad and I, 2012, we went to one round, one game for the for the first three rounds, and two games in the Stanley Cup Final. Now, the Kings only lost one game in the first three rounds, and I'm pretty sure my dad and I went to two of them. Oh wow! Like we went to the one game they lost against Vancouver. <laughs> we saw them beat St. Louis, obviously, because they swept them. And we went to the one game where they lost to Phoenix. Now we were at the game where they beat uh, New Jersey three to nothing. I think uh-huh. maybe it was four to nothing. I can't remember now. And we were at the Stanley Cup winning game. So those were wins. But the two games that we went to where they lost to Vancouver and Phoenix. Those were losses. Like yeah. I could have done without going to those games. Right. As much fun as it was to, you know, to have gone and, you know, been part of it or whatever. Like they only lost four games the whole way and I was there for two of them and I could have done without that. Now, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I I might be I might have a sick head, but I'll tell you a little story. And mm-hmm. I and I and I feel like this is important because I I went to the Rams Cowboys game this mom, year. Yeah, this year. Okay. So for the playoffs and um Rams win the game, going home, take the Metro. First of all, first time on Metro, amazing experience. Yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, so I, I come into Long Beach. I'm going to Uber back home and Lyft, whatever yeah. I used. And I get there, and there's a guy with his son talking to my driver. Doesn't have his phone. Can't get. He Just waited. trying to convince him to give him a ride? Yeah, or call somebody from Lyft, and I don't think he really knew that. Like these guys don't all talk, right? <laughs> He's like, "Can you just call somebody else and say, right, right, here? right?" Like, sir, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I'm talking to the driver on my phone while I'm walking up to this, so I can hear the conversation. And he's from out of town. He flew in from Utah, 
um, brought his son, they're Cowboys fans, brought his son to his first football game ever. Right? Coming into a city. That's a gamble. The Yeah. I mean, I mean, spent the money to travel, everything else. The hotel bus should have been there, but apparently the hotel bus stopped at 10. So oh. they didn't make the bus. Wow. Because of, obviously, yeah, yeah. the delay on Metro. And he's there, and he's stranded in a city that he doesn't know with his son at his first game where his team got beaten out of the playoffs, and his son's in tears. And I think that's important. I think, like, you need that. You need to have those. You need to go to those games, and you ha- need to have your heart broken. Like, you need to test your fandom, if you will. I want my kids heartbroken so that they know the joys of of when that accomplishment finally happens. They, they can appreciate it that much more. So we, I actually took them in our lift, took them to their hotel before we went back and mm-hmm. add them to my ride. But the important thing was that, like, this dad, I think, although that might have sucked and, and his heart's broken with his kids, it's important. Like, you have to do that as a fan because nothing's going to be perfect forever. And most teams don't get to the playoffs every year. So you have to understand what those losses are. So, you know, as much as it sucks to spend money to go to games and just have a bad experience, you're going to have bad experiences and you're going to have good experiences. And you have to go through them both. You can't just cherry pick the, all the good games and go because then there would be no one at the bad games if you already knew what their, the outcome was going to be. I agree with you 100%. Um, but again, to your earlier point that the fans play a role – with their dollars i mean i i 100 agree with you but again it's just we don't think of it as gambling with your emotions but that's what you're doing it truly is. <laughs> i mean Absolutely. that's really what no, you're doing <laughs> i don't deny that one one fact because you can't you can't say i'm going to go to five games this year and they're all going to be wins or i want to go to at least the majority of the wins right you don't know you could have picked the five games they lose all year but then your team <laughs> Win with seventy wins, right? Well, and it's why you don't historic win record, and it's why you don't ever leave a game early. Oh, because that you could be leaving that one game. We could do a whole show on that. I mean, I have left. I've probably left early less than five times in my life, right? And one of them was this year, (laughs) where I was just like, I am not. I'm going home. This is I'm not. They're not coming back. This is not a miracle in the ha- in the making. And even if it was, I don't care. I'm going home. Generally speaking, I stick it out. Yeah. For exactly that reason, you ha- a you have to be there for the losses, and b you might be missing one of the greatest sports. Moments one of the of only your team. reasons yeah. to be invested in sports right. in the first place. I it, it is actually a qualifier and a deal breaker in any relationship I've ever started. I would tell any any female that I was. I'm on board with that. Courting that. Listen, here's courting. the deal. <laughs> um, that James it, Whitlock courted a sweetheart. For, uh, <laughs> I had to bring it back to the 20s. Uh, uh, but I, it's something you have to know. Like I will never leave unless there's a medical emergency and I yeah. have to get to somebody in the hospital. We stay here, and we will watch everything. I'll stay after and watch all the all the stuff after. I took my friend to an ice dogs game some 20 years ago and I let him wear one of my jerseys <laughs> and halfway through the game, he literally coughed up blood <laughs> onto <laughs> my white LA Kings, Lou Grobitai Jersey. 
Beautiful. We did not leave the game early. Yeah. I escorted him to the uh, medical (laughs) offices inside the building, and I went back to my seat. (laughs) (laughs) And I took my jersey with me. (laughs) Anyway, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, No more games until next Saturday. So enjoy the week of no expectations. (laughs) You're going to have a great week. Yeah, I am. I really Cheers to that. And uh, we'll talk to you again, Kings fans. For James Whitlock, I am Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening.